This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. I have the immense pleasure of speaking to you guys about faith. Um, It is such a beautiful topic, and it is essential in the life of a believer. Well, let's uh, open with an illustration. Have you ever heard of Charles Blondin? No. Do you know any 1860s history? No. (laughs) Okay. I love that you guys are talking to me. Thank you so much. Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker in 1860. He was famous for walking over Niagara Falls repeatedly. Sam knows who he is. He uh, was so good at tightrope walking that he would walk out uh, with like an oven and cook an omelet. Like, like, and not like a little oven. Like I'm talking like in 1860s, all they had was these massive ovens. Walked out and cooked an omelet. He could also walk out with a wheelbarrow back and forth. This is a thousand foot trip, 160 feet above water that will kill you. But he did it. And huge crowds of people would gather. And so one day he walks out, he's got this wheelbarrow, he walks out, and then he comes back and he says, okay, you've seen me do all this great stuff with this wheelbarrow and this, this rope. Who believes that they could get in this wheelbarrow and I could walk them back and forth safely? And they're all like, yes, we can do it. We can so do this. Just, like, you're, you've got us. And he's like, okay, can I get a volunteer? Silence. Except for one kid who's like, I'll do it. Kid gets in the wheelbarrow, walks him out there, walks him back safely. Nuts. I would never, not in a million years, get in that wheelbarrow. I mean, a million dollars, is that's different. Okay. Anyway, why bring up that? Because of the faith that, you, that is very, very evident in that story. Faith is what I'm talking about. We're still in Hebrews, not uh, an entirely different series, but we're in Hebrews 11 specifically. And whenever you hear me talking throughout the next uh, series of Hebrews, really, I'll be talking about the people in the hall of faith because faith is a massive theme throughout Hebrews, and one way that uh, the writer of Hebrews displays faith is showing the faith of all these people in real history in the Old Testament who had faith, who pleased God through their faith. And why is faith so important? Faith is the only means for which we can please God. It's not through doing things, it's only faith. Hebrews eleven six. you can turn to Hebrews, that'd be great. Hebrews 11, verse 7 is where we'll be, but we'll read verse 6 first. Let me know when you guys get there, since you're talking to me. Got a Bible right there, you guys. Anybody can have it. It's, it's, it's sitting there lonely. Good? Okay. Let's read Hebrews eleven six. And without faith... 
It is impossible to please him, him being God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You might say, well, I thought God was happy with people, like especially these people in the Old Testament because of all these great things that they did. I mean, they killed giants. I mean, they walked up to the Red Sea and it just kind of parted for them. They walked on through. And there's all these great things that people in the Old Testament did, but that's not what God was happy with. He was happy with their faith in him. Well, why, why wouldn't he just be happy with, with what they did? Was that not good enough for God? No, because Isaiah 64, 6 says that we are so stained by sin that even our righteous deeds, the best that we can do, helping old ladies across the street, is filthiness. It's a polluted garment. It's dirty clothes. And no matter how good dirty clothes might look, it might be a really nice suit. If it's dirty, it's dirty. And no matter, no matter how good a sinner's works are, they're still sinful. And that good work can't change that fact. Our main text tonight is Hebrews 11.7. So we can look there now, one verse down. By faith, Noah, guy with the boat, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Our main, our main point tonight, if you're taking notes, is that Christ's followers have the true faith that is in them, have true faith that is in them, and is seen outside of them. True faith that is in them and seen outside of them. Our main points, if you're taking notes, these are three things that really help me in my study and should help you in comprehending as well. Number one, Noah believed God's promise in his head. Number two, Noah's belief produced reverent fear in his heart, which is something that is crucial for believers. Number three, Noah's faith was proven in the works of his hands. Straight into point one. Noah believed God's promise in his head. Hebrews eleven seven by faith Noah being warned by God warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark. So Noah got his orders from God Almighty Himself and believed immediately believed what God said. He didn't question Him. We don't see that in Genesis where Noah was like, "Are you sure you're going to flood the earth?" No. Nay. Many scientists believe that at that point in the Earth's biological history, that it may have never rained. So imagine God comes to you and says, I'm going to flood the Earth with rain. And you're like, what the heck is rain? But Noah believed it. He said, okay, if you say water's going to fall from the sky, water's going to fall from the sky, and I'll build a boat if you want me to build a boat. He believed it. It was in his head. Because when Noah heard God's promise of judgment by water, he didn't question its legitimacy or its probability. He just believed. Noah's faith is obvious by what's going on in his head. If we are going to be men and women of faith as well, then we must do the same. In our heads, we must believe that what God says is 100% true, infallible, and it will come to pass. No matter how strange it seems or far away it seems, it will happen. 
God told Noah that since the world was wicked, he was going to judge all of these wicked people because holiness and sin don't mix. And God had a plan for humanity that didn't involve wickedness forever. So God's plan, it was to drown everyone but Noah and his family and some animals. So if we're supposed to be prepared for something, if we're supposed to be in our heads recognizing a similar truth from God, a promise from God like Noah, are we supposed to be anticipating another flood? Yes or no? No. Thank you for talking to me. Keep doing it. Our God promises judgment, but it won't be by water again. He promised that he would never flood the earth again, but at the end of time, he will come and he will judge everyone according to what they've done. Your Bibles, turn them a few more pages to Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. Give you a minute to get there. Someone can shout at me or just speak. You're kind of close. Revelation 20, verse 12. Sarah's there. Uh Uh-oh, we've got some more people there. All right. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. That scares me. It should scare you because a God who's willing to flood the earth for wickedness, knowing every single thing you've ever done, it's the end of your life and you've got no more chance of repentance. And At the end of things, it will be terrifying. But this is reality. This is not pretend. It is not a fairy tale. If you are going to call yourself a man or woman of faith, then you must believe this in your head that at the end of things, there's only one destiny. That's judgment. God makes it clear in his scripture that that is the end of time. Just like before, God condemned the earth with a flood. Now at the end of time, he will judge all and disassemble this world and the wicked will perish. But faith but the faithful will live. Let me illustrate this kind of judgment for you. Imagine um, a judge. There was, there was a just judge. A just judge who loved justice, but just as much loved grace. And in his town, there were vandals. A bunch of teenagers, sort of similar to you. A ton of them. They would spray paint all kinds of stuff. And everyone knew who they were. They were warned so many times. The judge himself walking around town saw them vandalizing. was like, you guys better stop or one day you're going to end up in my courtroom. And the day came. They said, this is enough. They arrested all of them, brought them into the courtroom, and they're sitting there like, judge, we, we know we did it. There's nothing we can do but ask for your mercy. We know we did it, but can you please give us grace? And the judge looked at them and said, I have given you nothing but grace. Outside of this courtroom, you were given chance after chance 
That was grace. Your time outside of the courtroom is grace. But in the courtroom is justice. Some of you, I'm sure, are only just hearing, just learning about this judgment that will come. Or at least you're only just starting to get it in your head that this is, that this is reality. But what should you do to better understand this promise from God? Or to understand all of God's promises. All the promises of God that you need to know to call yourself a man or a woman of faith are in that book. You've got to be a man and, or, or a woman of that book if you're going to know his promises, if it's going to be in your head, if you're going to be faithful. If you trust the tightrope pushing you, you'll get in his, you'll get in his barrel. Those who are faithful, read the book. If you don't want to be a person of faith, you won't read the book. If you do, you will. That's how it works. Mr. Miko, um, he's back there. Everybody loves Mr. Miko, right? Woohoo! Talk to me. That's okay. He is famous for his 15 minutes per day in the Bible. Um, it's what he prescribes to any young person that if you would spend 15 minutes a day in your Bible all your life, it adds up to about the time of a college education, which, mind you, is getting more and more expensive every single day. College education is, it will put you in the hole. But 15 minutes a day in your Bible amounts to that time. Four years worth of knowledge and learning and beauty in the Bible. Just 15 minutes a day, do it. You must have a belief that starts in your head. The crowd surrounding Blondine at Niagara Falls had this right. They all said, yes, we know you can do it. But to show your faith, but to show their faith, was that all they needed? Just to say, we believe you? No, there's more. On to point two. Noah's belief produced reverent fear in his heart. Maybe you don't like me talking about learning and reading or fear, but this is what faith is. Let's look, let's look at this. Look back at the text in Hebrews 11.7. You might have to navigate from Revelation back to... I'll give you a moment. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Noah had facts that he believed in his head about what would happen. And now we see that he actually didn't just stop there with head knowledge, but he had reverent fear in his heart. And we need to better understand what just that reverent fear means. What is fear of God? Think about this. God came to Noah and said, I am going to kill everyone. This will make your skin crawl. And everything, except for you, your wife, your sons, and some animals. Spend just a brief second. Stop and think about 
the fact of God's judgment. Don't think about your crush. Don't think about what school tomorrow. Or, is there school tomorrow? No. Don't think about school next week. Leave your life behind for a moment and think about how holy God is, about how just God is. He drowned millions. If God hasn't started to sound dangerous, then you aren't hearing me. God means business, and he will not fail to do what he says he will. This simple and overwhelming truth was deep inside Noah's heart. He knew, not just in his head, he feared God in his heart. If you haven't read The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, I highly recommend it. Um, Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, are, is just a wonderful book series, and he's just an amazing author. Um, I'm sure some of you have read it in school. Um, but he chooses silly and strange and mythical characters to display wonderful truths about Scripture. And in his books, there's a character called Aslan the Lion, who represents Jesus. Yes. Here's an excerpt from the book. This is before our main characters get to meet Aslan. They're just hearing about him. And this little girl, Lucy, says, is, is he a man? Asked Lucy. And Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver strong, sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I think I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking... They're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Our God is just like that. He's not safe. He is just and powerful and pay attention. But we can take heart and we can trust him, even love him, even though he's terrifying, because he's good. Because he's pleased with those who are faithful. There's no need to crawl in a corner shaking, not for those who are faithful. Later in the book, um, the two sisters, Lucy and Susan, actually ride on Aslan's back. And it's beautiful. And you see their trust for him. Even though they have extreme reverence for him, even though once they were terrified of him, well, they just trust him. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but by all means. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. See, the latter half of these verses actually explains what the fear of God is in the former half. See, this isn't the kind of fear you have before a vicious animal or some killer. It's the kind of fear you have before a king. It's the kind of fear that 
is obedience and love and service with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And you may be thinking, well, this, this kind of fear is very interesting. I, I appreciate you telling me about this. Um, and I'm very, I'm very glad to hear that Noah uh, had this kind of fear. Um, but why does it matter anymore? So the text says that in reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark. I don't think anyone else during his time was doing that. He was the only one with a reverent fear constructing the arks. We would have heard of other people building massive boats for large quantities of animals if anyone else was fearing the Lord. No, Noah was the only one who feared God, the only one building a boat. So what's everyone else doing now? Everyone then was just being wicked. What's everyone doing now? The vast majority of people are living engrossed in social media and in movies. The vast majority of people are anxiety-ridden. Homosexuality runs rampant. Pornography has invaded the hearts and minds of men of all ages. Gossip and slander has ensnared the tongues of women of all ages. And look around at the people in your schools. Look around. Look in the mirror. Have things really changed? Pay attention to this. Things have not really changed. Not in the hearts of those outside the church, not in the hearts of those inside the church. We ask ourselves why, but the answer is so obvious. We don't fear the Lord in our hearts. Everything got big on me. Fear of God that is reverent, respectful, and honoring is what marks the life of someone who is truly faithful Fear of the Lord is what made Noah stand out from the rest of the people in the world. It's why God saved him alone. Does your social media, your private life, your speech, your relationships show that you fear the Lord? What do you need to change? Think about it. If you're truly convicted right now, if, if you're realizing that maybe I, maybe, I don't have the, maybe I don't have the fear of the Lord because you aren't seeing it in the way that you act, Fear the Lord. Be like Noah. Simply put, if you have the true faith, then you will seek after reverent fear in your heart. And if you don't have reverent fear, then stop and rethink your faith because you may not have faith. And that's okay because you're here where grace still abounds. You're on this side of judgment. You can repent. Most people stop with their heads. Most people just believe or just sort of get this knowledge in their head about something scriptural, um, but it never quite makes it to their hearts. Are you like that? If you're being honest with yourself, are you, are you just stopping at a recognition of what's going on? Most people who claim to have faith just have knowledge. So examine yourself. Knowledge in the head must lead to fear in the heart. But do we stop there? No. Moving on to point three. Noah's faith was proven in the works of his hands. Hebrews eleven seven. If you aren't there, get there. But I think you are. In reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was an, an obedient servant of God. His faith is made perfect in his obedience. His faith comes to a climax in what he did with his hands. Because we don't look back on history, we don't look back in the scriptures and say, well, Noah was such a great guy. Noah really had it going on. In his head, he just, he believed everything God said. And in his heart, wow, he just had the most reverent fear there could be. No. Only crazy people like me come up here and talk to you about this kind of thing. What you usually think about is he built a boat big enough to hold a T-Rex. Like, dinosaurs and animals went on this boat. Like, who knows, dude? I don't really, it doesn't matter. It's just a, it's an illustration, man. So, what he did is what he's remembered for because what he did is what showed his faith. We see that he meant business with his faith because he treated, he truly believed, he truly feared, and it was evident in his hands. So what Noah did with his hands, that really helps us to see his faith. If Noah had not built that boat, he would have surely proven that he didn't have faith at all. Let's look at a book in the New Testament that, that supports this, faith and action. Turn to James chapter 2, we're looking at Verses 14 and 18. The scripture right here is gold. If you're going to memorize something or if you're going to read something often, read James. Shout out to James back there. Love you, James. Let me know when some of you get there. Hebrews, James. Oh, I could, I could have told you it's right after Hebrews. My bad. It's like three pages away, dudes. <laughs> That's totally my bad. Okay, ready? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. See, that is exactly what I'm getting at, that your faith is shown by your works. It's not faith over here and works over here, works sometimes and faith sometimes. They're synonymous. They, are, they go beautifully together and the whole picture falls apart whenever you take them apart. The true living faith which the Holy Spirit instills in the heart simply cannot be idle. That's Martin Luther. Great guy to research. He's the reason that we're not all Catholic. Moving on. If faith is seen in your head only, is it faith? Since you're talking to me. Head only. Is faith faith if it's only in your head? No. no. Is faith faith if it's only in your heart? No. What about just your head and just your heart? What about just your hands? Hands and head? 
What about head and heart and hands? Yes. Listen to this quote. Faith and works should travel side by side. Step, answering to step, like the legs of men walking. First faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. It's William Booth. A beautiful quote. Faith is not evident without works. It's non-existent. Noah built a boat. That's how he proved his faith. It's not that faith... uh, Not that works are equal to faith, not that works save you, but they're together. True faith is inseparable from a life lived in submission to Scripture. If we must work, it goes along with our faith, then what are we to do? Noah Noah built a boat. Does does God want more boats? Because if that's the life of a Christian, just be a really good carpenter who can build boats, then like, get to work. Screws, nails, and wood and build some boats. But no, surely not. No, it's not build a boat. Good job, Gavin. Keep it on track. What was the boat for? What was the boat for? Oh, to rescue the animals because of the blood. Well, you could say the people but they're just focused on the animals. (laughs) Noah was preparing for a flood, and so he built a boat. Boats can save you from floods. Parachutes can save you when you're falling from the sky. But what on earth could ever save you from the wrath that God pours out on sin? Nothing on this earth. When judgment comes, after is wrath. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for my pardon, this I plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus is our ark. That's the boat. Noah built a boat, and in doing so, he proved himself faithful, saved the world. We preach Christ, truly God, truly man, who who came into this world to die in the place of sinners. It is his blood alone, his death alone, in our place that can save us through judgment. In dying, he can do so. He can save sinners from judgment so long as they have faith in his ability. That is what we must preach. That is what we must make clear in the way that we live and we think. If our life is a, is a, is a, is a construction site where we are building something, it ought to be Christ. It ought to be Christ in everything that we do, in everything that we say. When we're speaking to people, it's Christ. we make it clearly known that judgment is coming and that Christ is the only salvation in, in all that we say and all that we do. The hands of the faithful do two things. They're pretty easy to remember. And they're kind of fun. Number one, the hands of the faithful 
open the book. Try that. Fairly simple. Open the book. I see so many of you not doing it. Like, do you think I can't see you? Do it. Open the book. I love you so much. Thank you. Okay. Read for yourself. It's okay. You can put it down now, Dom. Don't worry. I know you're scared. Read for yourself. Open the book. If you're faithful, open the book and then act accordingly. You see what's in there and you do what's in there. You see what's in there and it shapes you. Gavin, pay attention. Reading helps you to know what you're supposed to say to people. If we're supposed to be building Christ for others, showing Christ to others, it's in the book that we find it. Find exactly what to say. That's obedience. So the second thing kind of ties to the first. It is an outpouring of opening the, opening the book. It's, it's obedience. After you've opened the book, you wave your arms around. Why do we wave our arms around? Can anyone guess? Emphasis. Yeah, because that good job. You raise your arms for in- emphasis. You, you flail them around for emphasis because whenever you're talking to people and you're trying to convince them that Christ Jesus is Lord, that Christ Jesus is the only means for them to be saved, that's, that's how you, you're obedient. And whenever you speak about Christ our Lord, and maybe you'll wave your hands around. If you didn't like that, whatever, take it or leave it. Be faithful. If you're in Christ and you've placed your faith in him, but you're not willing to build yourself to look like Christ, and you're not willing to tell those around you about Christ, then you may not have the faith you thought you did. If you're not willing to open your hands, shape your life according to what you read. If you're not willing to wave your arms around, to look silly telling the world about the only way that they can be saved. Pray to God to strengthen your faith so that what is in your head and in your heart may be evident in your hands. Because if not, you will be just like a Noah who had head knowledge, fear in his heart, but did nothing. And think we all would not be here. Nothing would be here if not for Noah building the boat. Gavin, use wisdom when you speak. If you are one of the faithful here, then go and spread the gospel. Tell one person this week. If you are saved, if you have faith, then go ahead and act accordingly. Maybe you're sitting here though and you're realizing that faith faith isn't in you. You're realizing that the faith you've always known isn't much at all like the faith that you're hearing about now. Or maybe you're sitting here and you just now are realizing that your life does not please the real and living and just God who will judge. Maybe for the first time you realize that it is only by faith that you can please God. Only by faith in God's Son that you, a sinner, could be saved from his judgment. If you realize that and you know it to be true, then the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes right now to the truth and the truth is beginning to take its place 
in your head. Don't stop there. If your heart is pounding, it's because you want to be someone who doesn't fear God's wrath, but has reverence for him and honor for him because of a deep knowledge of his justice. If your hands begin to shake, that's your body recognizing that you believe the truth and that you have to do something about it. If the Holy Spirit is right now instilling faith in you and you long to place your faith in Christ's power to save you from judgment, then repent. Right now, tonight, repent. Recognize, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm just like, I'm just like the people in my classroom. I'm just like the friends that I know I shouldn't be hanging around with. I'm worse than them. I'm a bad example to my bad friends. I'm just like the world. If I was in Noah's day, I would be so far underwater. But you can repent now. Acts 3, 18 through 20 says, What God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. He did it. Christ suffered. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. If you're recognizing these things, and you're seeing that, 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 you're, that, you're, that you believe that stuff that's going on, and place your faith in him. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from living for yourself. That's how you repent. If you don't, it's judgment. If you do that with faith that Christ will blot out your sins, he'll do it because he's faithful. He is gracious. He will give you his righteousness instead. Recap. Noah had faith that was rooted in belief in his head. Reverent fear in his heart That faith was seen through the works of his obedient hands. We Christians must follow Noah's lead. Our faith is a condition of the head, the heart, and the hands. If you lose one, you lose all. I'll close with a simple but but difficult fact. If you've not yet repented, then you are still like those in Noah's day who rejected God. And God drowned all those evil people. I'm willing to bet that when Noah said to them, please repent and get on my boat, they said back, I've got time, Noah. I'm not worried about this flood yet. I've never seen rain before. Why should I believe you? Maybe you've never seen judgment before, but it's coming. As long as you are in this short life, you can repent, and by grace through faith, you can be saved. But like the millions who drowned in the flood, you do not have as much time as you think you do. Grace is for the living. Justice is for the dead. Noah understood this well, and I'm begging you to understand this as well. Noah loved his boat and trusted his boat, and he got in it. And I love my Lord, I trust my Lord, and I'm in him. Will you please do the same? Will you be like that boy caught in the wheelbarrow 
who could have lost his life, but he trusted. He trusted the one who he knew had the power to do what he said he would do. Will you trust the one who holds your life in his hands, who loves you with his heart, who's ordained your life in his head? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Noah. Thank you for faith. God, that you would even create such a thing whereby we could please you. Lord, thank you that you save. Instill faith in us. Push us to believe. Put reverent fear in our hearts. God, and with our hands, help us to glorify you in all that we do and to preach your son to the lost. We love you, Lord. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our hearts. Save the lost. Amen. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.